This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So, um, uh, all right. The key is, is that I'm not sure how interested people might be in a sauna. I was still cold at night in July, honestly, but maybe that's just my sad hothouse flower temperature regulation. <laughs> like, being, I'm not used to Montana. Being freshly from Texas. Exactly. Okay. But I was definitely like wrapped up and down and shivering in the evenings in July. Um, what a, uh, Something that's not on our list here, but something that's going to be happening probably. So when you do the boot camp, then you don't know what you're going to be working on. It's whatever is the priority. Right. And, um, and of course, you can do your own soul labor and stuff like that. Whatever you want to do um, on your own time uh all of our resources are available but but you know for project time you don't know but it's looking like there's a high probability that for project time before the event we might be doing this solarium and we've decided that this is not a jamboree project right but instead um to have it be a project before the jamboree so um and then we might be building an additional rolly shelf uh, to go with it, and um, the idea is is that we've got the the garage. It's a garage. It's like a standard garage. It's got a garage door. It's it's ugly. It's just an ugly garage made out of T111 on the sides. Um, and so we got this idea of like, uh, man, we need some more bunks. We need a lot more bunks. And we've got three rolly shelves in there right now, which um, the size of the rolly shelf is determined by the dimensions of a twin-sized mattress. And so, in theory, there are six bunks ready to go in the garage. But, of course, we're just storing crap there uh-huh. and and it's like uh, but but at the same time last winter was kind of this weird thing where we hit this bizarre weather spell that made it so it was difficult to work anywhere but indoors so lots of shelves were built and so we have lots more storage but uh, we got the idea of um, let's convert this space into something nice. Yeah. And the things that are being stored, the berm shed's now done. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's storage. And so uh, we can move this a lot of the stuff down to the berm shed. And we've got some other places to put it as well. And uh, wouldn't it be cool to kind of build, to take out the garage door, where the garage door, which faces south, to put in a solarium. And then uh, the space becomes extremely well lit, and um, all of these rolly shelves that were designed for that space could now be used as bunks. Right. And so we'd have this solarium bunk space kind of a thing. Yeah. And um, so that's a project that's going to be happening before before the PDC even. Right. Um, and, and I'm not saying definitely. <laughs> I am saying probably. Well, because of the way the... You guys, now you know 
exactly how the boot camp works. Totally. And it's yeah. like you cannot say for sure what's happening at any given date, although we are kind of talking about some possible future events where we will say, on this week, we're definitely going to do this thing, right. and we're going to call it a uh, a peasant workshop. So it'll be cheap. And it'll basically be the boots are going to be working on that that week, right? Kind of a thing, probably. You know, it'll be it'll be more <laughs> right. on rails. Right. But then um, it's kind of like uh, you know, it, it it just seems like getting this Slarium project done before um, the events, the summer events, seems quite probable at this time, just to get the extra bunks. Yeah, that's um, the plan. That's yeah. the current plan. Right, right. And we'll we'll see how it goes. All right, back back to the agenda. Track four. Track four is Earth and Fire. Okay. Which includes Alan Booker's Spring Terrace. And if we can't get the geology under the Spring Terrace to be exactly what Alan wants, then we'll do a humus well, mm-hmm. which is very similar, but... I think I'm actually kind of thinking I'd prefer it if we if we can't get the exact geology. <laughs> You're wanting the humus well to happen uh, because yeah. humus the humus well. I mean, uh, Sep has proven that the spring terrace works. Right. And um, and he gets 400 gallons of water per day uh, from dry land. Yeah. And so proven, it's it exists. And uh, but it, it it looks like there's a little bit of luck in geology that makes it happen. Whereas a humus well is my design that's very very similar, but it should work where you don't have lucky geology. And so I'm kind of thinking like maybe part of what I want to do is go pick a spot to do a humus well in case the um, spring uh, the spring terrace you know but anyway so right so next th- to each other so then <laughs> right then you then you can have a little competition <laughs> compete me I'll be competing with Sep. Now, do you have a podcast or a thread on Permies where you describe your design for humus well and what it is? Wow, I am not sure. Um, I think I may have talked because uh, there's the podcast where I'm I'm talking at great length with Zach Weiss. And you, uh-huh. do, you do describe it there. Okay. Okay. All right. I All was right. thinking so too. It's been a while since I listened to that one. All right. So then, so one or the other will be built. So there's, but you know, I think everybody's keen on repeating Sepp Holzer's creation, and I'm totally cool with that. And my my design, which has never been created, will be a Plan B. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, so also in track four, you have the passive, passive garden heater, which we already we already talked about in the context of the Wafati greenhouse. It's that thermal well. Right. But this is going to be to build at least one of them, but maybe more. I'm thinking three. In the proximity to the lemon tree site. Yes. I'm kind of thinking like, because what we've come up with is the idea of you've got your well, your well casing sitting there in the ground, and then um, uh, then you're going to mount something on top of it. Which is going to get that um, with that tube in it, so you can get the air to circulate. So then this this space that's 20 feet down will get heated in the middle of of summer mm-hmm. quite well, and then of course heat will theoretically radiate out of this thing mm-hmm. uh, in the wintertime, which would be amazing to get pictures of this in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like, well, what do we put on top of 
the whale casing? What's going to be the thing that's going to be the, the passive solar element to get this thing to pump and, and work? And um, I thought, well, maybe there could be three different designs. And um, cool. and then each of them can be can surround where the lemon tree would be planted. And then we can start to kind of get an idea of what temperatures we get. So if it's, you know, uh, uh, 10 below outside, then um, what is the temperature next to these things? Right? But if there's three of them kind of uh, equidistant, like let's say they're eight feet away from each other, well, yeah, let's say eight feet away from each other, then what's the temperature of whatever is in between them, like mm-hmm. directly in between them all? Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine it would might be 10 degrees warmer, um, I mean, basically, SEP grows lemon trees outside, and I'm, I'm, I believe in a previous podcast I shared all of his techniques for what he does to be able to grow lemon trees outdoors in Austria, and he came here and he said it's not possible, <laughs> but he doesn't have this, and so um, I'm kind of thinking like this will be my extra cheat to get it to work. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, anyway, all right. So then additionally, in the Earth and Fire track, there is the Dry Stack Moon Gate um, and the Rocket Forge. All right, Dry Stack Moon Gate. Um, so uh, we had somebody here, was it last year? I think it was last, like a year and a half ago. And um, they wanted to build a moon gate. And I said, okay, I'll supply all the rocks. <laughs> Do people know what moon gates are? Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, let me. So let's talk about this. We were doing a lot of dry stack stuff yeah. that year. And we built a lot of dry stack retaining walls, which, by the way, the big test for a dry stack retaining wall is how does it do through the winter. And they've all done... They've all been flawless. I haven't seen of any of the the dry stack retaining walls. Um, I mean, they're now in their second winter, and um, after the first winter, we went and checked them all, checked on all of them. Um, none of them have shifted or fallen or anything like that. Um, they're doing they're doing great. But Moongate, the idea is is that um, if you're using, I mean, most people do Moongates with stone, but you're going to carve your stones to be the right shape which is an enormous amount of work. But that's what's been proven to be effective. We don't have... We have stone, but it's still, like, attached to all of its parent material right now. Um, And I don't feel like going and and getting it to part with that. Uh, What we do have in abundance is rock, which when you try to tap it with a stone hammer, it turns to gravel. And so um, you can't really shape it. But we've got so much rock that it comes in practically every shape you want. And so then it's kind of like, all right, let's get a big mountain of it over here. And we've, and we started to build this, this, uh, rock wall, this dry stack wall to be the moon gate. And then we got to the point where the next thing you do is that you, um, put the forms in place and then you start building the dry stack wall around the form. And then once you've got the dry stack wall built around the form the right way, using the rocks that have the right shape, then um, the form is designed so that it'll shrink like an inch. Hmm. And then you can slide the form out. 
and the form is essentially <clears throat> to allow you to create a hole in the gate, which is exactly. Yeah. So the form is shaped like a cylinder, but it's got like an element to it where it can collapse an inch. Cool. And so you can slide it out. So it'll be uh, so when it's all done, you'll have this big dry stack wall with a two foot round hole in it. And then the idea is, is that you take the lessons you learned from building that, and now you build one that is uh, got a six-foot diameter, so you could walk through it. Um, and this is what's referred to as a moon gate. But you got to build the two-foot one first. And then, you know, now you're ready. Now okay. now you can build the, the big one. So... Um, all right, so we're going to build a two-foot one. So it's Moon Gate. It's it's a gate for cats. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, cats. <laughs> All right, what was the other one? The Rocket Forge. Rocket Forge. Oh, so yeah. So I, I think the schedule has mud working on that one. We will have at least two people here that have experience with um, forge work. And um, and they will be directing it, but we're going to make it so that this forge uh, will be able to um, melt a variety of metals. So you'll be able to put a crucible in it, um, and also be able to to do the kind of forge work where you put something in it and it heats it for a bit, and you pull it out and then hammer on it. Um, so a, a buffet of different styles of forge work, um, and we're also thinking that we could also you know use it in addition to be able to put several trays of uh, broken glass in it and get back, like, glass tiles. That is the hope. And so that'll be a glass recycler, but it'll be a wood-powered glass recycler. Now, the the rocket forge, of course, because with forges, generally you're going to use coal or propane, Mm -hmm. um, which, uh, I mean, you you can make charcoal, but um, that's... Uh, that's quite a process. Whereas, if you can get, if you can have a forge, or and then another thing is, a lot of forges will have a, a fan. You can have bellows if you like, mm-hmm. um, or what most of them do is they have an electric fan. Whereas um, our uh, tests so far, so like last year we built a rocket forge, but it was temporary. Mm-hmm. It was right. just like let's see if it's, if it's a doable thing. Right. Which I'm thinking like. It is a doable thing. We did it like, you know, uh, 2012 or something like that. Hmm. Uh, and so we did it. And, and, uh, um, so let's just make something that's a little bit more permanent. Right. Is, is the idea this year and more flexible to meet all of our forging needs. But the cool thing is it doesn't need a fan and it runs on wood. Right. So, um, whereas most of those things require buying stuff and driving it around or whatever, whatever it is you're doing, it's not, it's not aligned with our values as well. The rocket thing would be way cool. It would be a big leap forward. Totally. Yeah, definitely worth trying to do it, but do the experiment again, but this time with something that's a more permanent creation. Yes. All right. So we have track five. Wood and cob. Okay. This includes a roundwood timber framing pavilion, um, two styles of innovative deer fencing with a perfect price that is less than 10% of okay. normal. So the so the deer fence that's going to be Abe's fencing. Mm-hmm. He's going to do two. He's going to do like one type of fence in the morning and another type of fence in the afternoon. Cool. Um, 
And then what was the first thing? Oh, the Roundwood Pavilion. Mm -hmm. So now this is a good time to point out that the Roundwood Pavilion, even though that's a cool timber framing project, Roundwood Timber Framing Project, um, uh, the instructor that I'd hoped for didn't pan out. And so um, it's possible that either you know, a couple of different possible things could happen. One is is that we might find an instructor mm -hmm. before the event begins and and we'll do it. Or it's possible that we're going to just say there's a big dead spot in our schedule right there for that track. Mm -hmm. right. And it's a good thing we got nine other tracks. Yeah, <laughs> and there are other projects we've mentioned a couple of them, such as the sauna and the Wofati greenhouse that will allow people to do roundwood timber framing if right. that's what they're most interested in. Right, right, right. So then we have uh, add a night mode. The rocket mass heater addition to the solar food dehydrator. So basically, because like right now the the giant solar food dehydrator, um, and I'm I'm I, I mean I can't I'm not sure how to over a podcast express how big it is. I mean it's not about 12 feet tall. It's huge. It's yeah. really big. It's it is it is enormous. You can only ever look at like a small part of it at once. <laughs> <laughs> So there's the ramp that goes up, and then underneath that is just open space. Yeah. And um, so let's here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just do this really quick. We're gonna basically put in that little triangle of space there. We'll put uh, a rocket mass heater in there. That'll be a cob made out of cob. And then we want to use cob so that way. Um, we take out the wood that's currently the blackened wood in the ramp mm -hmm. and replace it with cob. And I think part of what we're going to also do is on that section is to um, increase the angle, make it steeper. Um, because I think that the angle now is about 45 degrees and it needs to, I believe, I believe, me, that it needs to be a little bit steeper to get a good air current moving through. Mm -hmm. I think at 45 degrees, um, your convective currents start to slow down. Right. They, they aren't like a, a powerful blow. Um, it's more of a whimper. Right. Um, and so it, it moves, but it isn't powerful. But then the next thing is, and it also doesn't get, you know, the, the better angle is going to better uh, uh, harvest uh, the sun um, in the fall which is when most of your drying needs to happen. Totally. And if you can improve the drying velocity, you get a higher quality food product. Right. I mean, adding these will allow us to dry more quickly because it'll be drying at night. It'll dry more quickly just because it dries more efficiently from sunlight. Mm -hmm. And you can process more food through it more quickly so you don't end up with, you know, moldy produce or stuff sitting around not able to be dried. And we're not, just to be clear, we're not having any problem with mold on... I've never seen any problems with mold yet, but... Right. I've heard, yeah. heard of other people that had other designs. Right. And that's the thing that they're fighting, is the mold. Right. Um, but this thing dries quite well, as is. As is. But we're kind of like, okay, how do we improve the amount that we can run through it do it faster do more but also um just having it replacing the wood with the black with um a cob mass that is black mm -hmm. makes it so that when the sun hits it it will absorb that heat throughout the day so when the sun's hitting it it's pumping 
And at the same time, all of that cob is now absorbing a lot of that heat. Right. And um, and that's going to make it so that it'll probably get it to work throughout the night as well with yeah. just that, right. without anything else. But as long as we've added all that cob, it doesn't take much more to add this little rockety element to it. Totally. And then um, if it's going to be like, okay, we're harvesting some stuff, but there's a freeze coming tonight, then it's like, let's give it a little rockety bump. And mm-hmm. and that'll add some heat to it that'll see to it that it keeps drying throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it'll just it'll just kind of make this thing have a, a dual function. But I think just the cob mass is going to just and then the improved angle that alone is going to make this thing perform far better. But the rocket element better still. All right, what's so next? We got uh, building a cob kitchen sink from clay and sand on site. Um, so this involves building the sink itself um, and then using. Ooh, techniques to make it <laughs> completely waterproof and able to be used as a sink. Yes, um, because, of course, otherwise, if you just made a cob sink and you started using it... <laughs> it would dissolve. <laughs> it would just simply dissolve before your very eyes. And it's like, well, that that's not helpful. <laughs> In fact, it's making my dishes muddier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I came here to clean these dishes. What is this all about? Okay, so we're that one's going to be one where we have to do some prep, and, right? And so we've kind of talked about this. So we're gonna we're gonna make a sink, so that by the time that the jamboree starts, there will be a bunch of cob in a sink shape, ready to go. Right. I'm going to be coordinating with Uncle Mud, uh, Chris McClellan, on that so that we've got one that's like ready to go, and people can see the waterproofing process. Yeah. And then have kind of a simultaneous thing going on at the build so they can get experience building the actual sink out of Cobb. So they'll get to do both halves of the project. It'll just be split into two different artifacts. Right. Because um, basically it's going to take about two weeks to just build the sink and without the treatment. And yeah. yeah, and let it dry and stuff. And so it's kind of like... Um, uh, so. Uh, at the end of the event, we will have two sinks, one of which is totally ready to go to be used as a sink. It might need to dry a little bit right. from the treatments it's received. Um, and then the other sink might need the treatments. And so, um, and maybe we'll just keep it around for next year or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, uh, all right, what else we got? Well, uh, the last thing on the wooden cob track five is the tromb wall, which is a um, an artifact that allows you to move air 24 hours a day without electricity. So um, there's an existing one that um, has not. Uh, it, it was built quickly, and there's a lot of things that we do where we we're like, let's build it quickly and see how this does, and if it works well or even almost well then we'll rebuild it later. And so there's a trom wall at the Chateau des Poux. And um, it has worked um, okay. And uh, it worked well enough that we built another one on Willa Wonka. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to build a whole new one at the Chateau des Poux using the lessons learned from the, the Willa Wonka build. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that'll be the full... Build and that's going to be so it'll pull air out of the Chateau de Poux and move it through the roof. 
Mm-hmm. So then we we're on to track six, which is titled Zappity Zap, which I suspect that means it's all about electricity. Um, which includes everything from working on the electric tractor and making a hayride tour possible to um, things about better crockpots, uh, permanent solar power to a tiny house, and a heliostat. So the first one <clears throat> is the electric tractor hayride tour. And so um, the electric tractor that arrived here... Um, was a lemon and um, we have it has been through many many rounds of repair but now it's to the point where it is um, it can it can move around on its own and uh, it has a lot of batteries and it has an inverter um, pretty much it's kind of like a mobile battery bank um, and uh, uh, there's a few elements to it where it's kind of like it's it's not a great tractor and so it's like there's just a couple of little things left. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do those last little bits to make it so it'll be a great tractor. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, if it turns out that there's anything that falls shy, then the people that make it great are here. Right. And it's like, okay, we can keep, you know, fiddling with it. Mm-hmm. But um, the two big things for the tractor itself... Are the um, uh, it's going to be a party in sheet metal and pop rivets to go over the whole structure and make sure that any exposed electronics are covered. So then, if you're using the tractor out in the rain or the snow, that we won't be getting the electronics wet. Right. Um, the other thing is is that um, the the wheels will need to be replaced, all four. And it'll make uh, the the wheels uh, will be chosen such that they have a much wider footprint, and then the wheels will be uh, the tires. When the tires are mounted onto the new wheels, and it'll be new tires mounted on new wheels, they'll be filled with beet juice. So that's not you know the 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 new wheels and tires is not a big task. That'll probably go very very fast, probably a couple of hours. Um, and then I think that the whole pop rivets dance will probably not even be a day. Um, and then the next part is that we're going to take the beaver tail trailer and uh, mount some uh, wooden rails on the sides and then throw in some of our straw bales. And the idea is is that we'll connect the tractor to the trailer and then, I don't know, 20 people can ride on it. I just kind of think, like, when when we have a bunch of people here and we do a tour, we've been using Toots. And it's like, Toots does not have a feeling that's, like, great with our standards. So Toots is this white van. And, um, yeah, you guys are laughing. Because <laughs> you know what, it mean, what I mean. When it's yeah. Just, doesn't mean real. So we don't use it very often. But it's like, oh, we've got a whole bunch of people to move around. First of all, Toots will only carry like a dozen people. Right. And and it's kind of like, yeah, and it's and it runs on gasoline, which is unfortunate. So wouldn't it be amazing to have the electric tractor being able to like come online as a as a reliable electric tractor? Right. And and then on top of that to be able to hook it up to the beaver tail trailer and take like 20 people. Uh, up up to the lab and do the tour, all that kind of stuff. I think as an electric vehicle, that would be awesome. Um, now, there is a question about, 
you know, okay, so, I mean, a tractor, its primary function is the transmission. And so um, I kind of get the impression, like, the tractor will probably be great at pulling that trailer. But I'm a little nervous about, like, is the trailer too much? Well, that's going to be something that we're going to have to try and once once the tractor's ready and let's put the trailer on, let's throw heavy things on the trailer that are not people (laughs) and let's let's take it out and see how it does it'll probably be great but we'll find out it'll be in it'll be in an experiment in itself but i believe that at uh last year's event that a great deal was learned about the tractor and and working with all the batteries and working with the inverters and how it's wired and and stuff like that and there'll probably be a little bit of that again this year especially if the tractor doesn't perform <laughs> perfectly then <laughs> then it's like next thing you know it's like you know Rodney'll have half the batteries out and the wires will be hanging out of it and everybody'll be learning about how this thing is wired Frankly, I think that it needs a new paint job. <laughs> I think it should be purple. <laughs> I think that would be cool. <laughs> so the other thing we got on Zappity Zap is installing a heliostat. That's going to be pretty quick. Um, but a heliostat, for those that don't know, the idea is is that um, you program it to say, I want sunshine on this spot. And then uh, as the sun moves across the sky, the heliostat changes its angle just a teeny tiny bit to make sure that uh, no matter where the sun is, the reflected light always goes to the same place. So uh, an application that a lot of people might be familiar of is where they've got uh, places where um, there'll be a bunch of heliostats all redirecting sun to a single point, mm-hmm. and it'll be a thermal solar uh, power generator. Um, and uh, but we're gonna not we're gonna do something kind of like that, and we're gonna uh, put the light into the library. And then um, it should warm the floor of the library. So the library has a cement floor. It's a building that was here when we arrived. Um, And so it's like, let's put up a heliostat. And um, it'll put in more light as well as heat into the building throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's generally a very cool building, even in the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. So that'll be our heliostat project. What's next? We've got permanent solar power to a tiny house. That would be Allerton Abbey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this is a good time, too, to mention that, um, <clears throat> like, with all, like, with the solar Leviathan and the solar Volkswagen and all of our little solar setups, which would include uh, the Love Shack has a solar setup and um, the uh, and Willow Bank has a solar setup. We've got lots of little solar setups all over the place. We are transitioning away. I believe that in the last year, there's there's a strong transition in solar power stuff. Um, uh, the thing is, is like we buy these components. We buy an inverter. We buy a charge controller. We buy the batteries. We buy all this stuff. And then at the same time, um, uh, the everything we've got here now is lead-acid batteries. And um, uh, they require maintenance. And we've been... 
okay <laughs> most of the time with maintenance. I mean, we do maintenance at the first of the month. Have you guys done battery maintenance at the first of the month? Once. Once? Okay. Since since Fred went away for the winter? No. No. Once. Oh. <laughs> that's that's not very good. No. That's it's really yeah, bad. That's really bad. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so when Fred gets back, probably be top of the list. Um. But uh, on almost everything we have here, the batteries are now about six years old. And lead-acid batteries have a lifespan of five to ten years. You can get ten years with really good care. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, but the thing is, is some of the batteries are are giving up the ghost. Right. And and it's like, okay, it's time to either buy new lead-acid batteries or come up with a new strategy. Now, so the thing is, is like, okay, so, you know, it's not like we plant a seed and grow lead acid batteries and then we plant another seed and uh look there's an inverter and you know it's like no we're we're buying this stuff and um <clears throat> we have a huge inverter in the solar leviathan and it stopped working and then when we turn to experts about it they're like we'll just fire up your backup and it's like this thing was crazy expensive. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that by spending this much money, it'll just keep working and it wouldn't be like, but no, apparently, all right, all right. So we got a backup now and the primary ones, you know, getting some love also. I'm looking to Josiah, who's been kind of in charge. Did that, did that project stall or is it like, you know? It's pretty low priority right now, but I, I spent a lot of time working on that, yeah. Okay. All right. And that's the we use that's the solar system we use to run the um, the sawmill, the electric sawmill, which we just brought down to the shop and we're using it down there. Now that I've tested the backup and made sure the backup works, I have not put any like moment of my attention to fixing the old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, for all the solar systems, how it used to be is that you know you would you would design a system and you would buy all these components and you would put them all together and and now um, I kind of think and 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 maybe people will tell me that I'm wrong <clears throat> and I've put this to a bunch of different people and it sounds like I'm not wrong about this. I mean this is not my area of expertise, so I definitely turn to the experts to ask them. There's a big transition happening. And um, so, for example, uh, Jennifer, you now have a little box that's about the size of, like, a lunchbox. Right. It doesn't say Scooby-Doo on the side. It advertises for some manufacturer. Yes. But this little box has, like, a couple of outlets on it. Uh, is there a 12-volt outlet on it? There's a 12-volt. There's normal AC. There's USB outlets. Um it's essentially a little battery bank that you charge up. Either we'll charge it from the solar cart itself or bring it here to base camp and charge it up. And then we can charge our electronics, run our appliances. We've been running the filter fan a lot while we've been cobbing in the abbey. Um, and it just allows us to have the amount of electricity we need to live off-grid in a small house. Um it won't run things that, you know, draw a lot, such as a heater, for instance, or, right. I don't know, God forbid, a microwave or whatever people might try to run on it. But. Right, right, right. <laughs> Clothes dryer. Sure, exactly. I wouldn't go there. Um, 30 amp welder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, 
But the big thing is, is it's the size of a lunchbox. Right. I mean, you pick it up with one hand, and it's like, It's you know, light, also. I mean, not only, like, volume-wise it takes up that amount of space, but it's not, like, picking up a battery. You know, if right. you're going to, like, a right. marine battery or something that's miserable to carry around. Right. It's like, this lunchbox has two sandwiches and an apple. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like yeah, ten pounds or something. I don't know. Right, yeah. it's 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 not brutally heavy. Right, it, I know a... women with much heavier purses than this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and this is fairly small. But the thing is, is that uh, it also has ports on it for uh, solar panels. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can charge it from a solar panel. You can charge it from like your truck, like the cigarette lighter hookup, or you can just charge it normal. AC power in a house. And you guys have been bringing it down here every few days and just yeah. plugging it in. Only when uh, only when we can't charge it uh, off of the solar panels of the Volkswagen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, anyway, the the point is is that yes, we have some solar projects that are going to be going on during the jamboree, but they're going to be pretty simple because we're going to be using these. Now we've got a device coming. That um, instead of it being the size of a lunchbox, it's more like the size of a small cooler. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yours, your lunchbox size one, it has, if I remember correctly, 300 watt hours of storage. Mm, that I don't remember. Well, okay. So basically, if you were to run something for 100 watts, if you had something that was 100 watts, you could run that for three hours. But a lot of the stuff you guys are running is like. 30 watts, and you can run it for 10 hours or whatever. Is that about right? Sure. That sounds pretty close to the ballpark, yeah. Right, right. But a lot of the stuff you're running off of it, like you only run it for an hour or two, and then you run those for, like, you know, that's 10 watts, you can run that for three hours. So basically, you get by for several days, you know, on on whatever this thing is charged up. The new thing coming, if I remember correctly, has something on the order of, I think it's 1500 watt hour so it has five times more right. that it will hold but i think whereas yours is limited to putting out about 300 watts it like the, it has a 300 watt inverter built in um i think the new one has an 1800 watt inverter yeah. and so you'll be able to plug in anything that you can plug in to a 110 outlet. So a 110 right. outlet technically can do um, 2,000 watts, but generally it's hard to find anything that will consume more than 1,500 watts. Right. Um, and so uh, 1,500 watts is generally considered your biggest consumer. So a refrigerator, I think, uses about 900 watts, like a full-sized right, giant right. fridge uses like then. And um, uh, a hair dryer, I think, uses 1,500 watts. <laughs> uh, but we don't, I mean... Who knows? I, yeah. <laughs> Which of us has ever used a hair dryer? Actually, I remember, uh, like in the, uh, the, the new 40V set for rocket mass heaters, we needed to dry something. And so it's like, okay, we've got all our tools out here. Most of them are DeWalt, Milwaukee, Makita. This, this particular tool is made by, uh, look at the brand here. It's Revlon. This is a Revlon, uh, Cobb dryer. <laughs> the one time in my life that I remember using a hair dryer was when my grandmother was visiting my dorm room. I used my roommate's hair dryer to, uh, blow all the dirt on the floor under the couch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right. 
<laughs> so you know, I kind of am thinking like if you take those hair dryers and you set them so that they just blow and they don't do any heat, you could get like 40 of them and then one of these battery packs and you could make like a flying saucer. <laughs> Next year. Yeah. <laughs> Next year's permaculture technology jamboree. Yeah. The hairdryer yeah. flying saucer. All right, I'm at base camp, and I need to get over to the lab. I'm going to fire up the flying saucer, fly right on over there. Yeah. So um, so, you're, so we're right. going to add a solar panel setup that charges one of these uh, yeah. cool, small cooler-sized um, lithium-ion batteries with a built-in inverter. Yeah. Um, so it's basically a plug-and-play solar panel system with in- included batteries and inverter for a small house. So part of the thing is going to be to, the, to make the framework that holds the solar panels to be permanently mounted on Allerton Abbey, run the wiring down, and then pretty much everything else is taken care of. So rather than buying all the components and mounting them and buying batteries, right. we're not going to mess with any of that. Right. We're just going to have the cooler-sized thing um, and uh, just power that. So you guys will have permanent power at Allerton Abbey. Yes. Although we do also have other artifacts that use the older style of all these different components you can see their guts so if you know if you're oh, right. if you're really interested in that kind of thing we have a lot to play with in well, that area and that'll be covered i mean basically those guts are inside the electric tractor mm-hmm. right and so that'll be covered and those guts still exist in the solar leviathan right and and uh, you know so these this stuff's going to get covered to some degree mm-hmm. um, because they don't I mean because the next step up is is like you know we've got this thing that's the size of a cooler and the the next thing up in that space is like the Tesla Powerwall right. Right. now um, Alan and I talked about it a little bit and and he's concerned about because this is lithium batteries mm-hmm. and he says lithium batteries are just aching to explode so are you getting something that's like you know going to have all the stuff in it to keep it from not exploding. And I kind of feel like, well, let acid batteries explode too. And um, and we've got, and so a lot of people don't experience it, but we happen to have about 100 times more batteries here, like full-size, you know, uh, um, yep. uh, lead-acid batteries than most people have. And we once had them, had one explode. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was well, during an event... And um, uh, this is why, have you noticed how when you go into the wood shop, there's like these big bags of baking soda? Totally, yeah. It's because if another one ever explodes, you take the baking soda and you just cover everything in baking soda. Yeah, well, we we take that with us when we do the battery maintenance, too, for that reason. Also, just to kind of clean up the acidy bits, if there are any. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Because then, yeah, if you can get, like, uh, if you just pour a little bit of water with baking soda on it, exactly. it foams off. Because right. Of all then the acid, when you yeah. shove your face in there to work on it, you uh-huh. don't dip your hair in the acid. <laughs> As just a totally random example. Okay. All right. Good Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. So um, uh, the installation dollar to is going to be pretty basic, pretty simple. Um, but it's going to be a solar setup, and um, and I think I think that part of what we're going to do is we're going to have a buffet of these different kinds of things, because there's another zappity zap. There's something else in the zappity zap track, I believe, which is to add ventilation to um, like a, add a ventilation tube. I, I basically um, Willow Bank needs um, the battery in there is spent. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to overhaul the ventilation in it, and we're going to um, uh, put a, a one of these little lunchbox size uh, solar uh, contraptions in there because the solar panels are working great. The solar panels are working great. The charge controller is working great. I do think that we need to reroute where the vent goes, and so then that'll get built. That's but not on the Zappity Zap track. Maybe on it's the on a different track then. It might be on a different track, or maybe okay. we forgot to list it, but we might check on that. All right. What else is on this on the Zappity Zap? So track? we got the Repair Cafe is okay. next up. Yeah, that was a huge hit last year. Did you guys do much with the Repair Cafe? I repaired a air filter. Um, I was mostly doing natural building stuff okay. and not so much repair cafe. Okay. But it did seem like a lot of people really enjoyed the repair oh, cafe. Oh, everybody was really into it, yeah. I mean, I think it makes a big difference between whether you're going to be, like, just trying to repair something at home or trying to repair something with these standards with the teachers right there right. guiding you. I and think- I think that having the standards changes how you're going to choose to repair a lot of things. Right. I think a lot of people felt like they came away from that with new, you know, new superpowers, whereas things were just kind of like, well, it's broken, now I have to throw it away before they felt like they could get in there and actually fix something, which Mm -hmm. was really cool to see. What else in Zappity Zap? We've got better crock pot. Cook triple the food with less than 10% of the energy of a standard crock pot. I haven't heard anything about this. So okay, so this one, right, this one is the Easy Bake Coffin oh. is going to get um, modified. Mm-hmm. And so basically, the Easy Bake Coffin has all the parts in it to do what the Easy Bake Coffin does, but nobody uses the Easy Bake Coffin because it's fucking massive. It's the size of a dead body. That's why we call it the Easy Bake Coffin. I and so basically it's like whereas at the same time uh the um the Haybox cooker gets used a lot. And and it's kind of like, and we want to use it more. Right. And we're, like, making modifications. It's so it can get used more. It's easier to use. And it's kind of like, let's basically, you know, change the shape of it, the size of it, down to the approximately the equivalent of the hay box cooker. But then it has all of that heat augmentation to it, which is just a gentle heat. So if you've got the hay box cooker and a thermostat... With a temperature probe mm-hmm. and this, um, and the ability to add like I think it's something like 40 watts of heat right. um, underneath it, then you can um, get something in there and cook something for several days, and it will maintain a temperature of like I don't know 180 or something. Right, like that. it's like a super insulated box to which very little heat is added. So that your food stays up at a safe temperature. Right. So if you do a crock pot, then um, crock pots tend to use something in the neighborhood of 300 to 600 watts. Right. Um, and this would be more like 40 watts. Right. Um, but it w- this would probably be 20 times more insulated than a crock pot. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This podcast is continued in part three. Don't forget... Go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.